And everybody find Romans chapter 15 in your Bible. Next Sunday, I expect, not sure, but we may be wrapping up next Lord's Day with our study of the book of Romans, a study from which this preacher has certainly prospered. I hope that you have as well. I hope. And, and that's a good subject for this Lord's Day. Uh, and Romans 15 is just full of it, referring to hope. I mean, open your Bible to this chapter, and, and hope will spill out all over the place, uh, probably making a big mess. But what a glorious mess that would be. There's just hope all over the place. Chapter 15, verse 4, our reading today takes us through the 13th verse. Hear God's word. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore, I will give praise to you among the Gentiles and I will sing to your name. Again, he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, There shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. So about half of my uh, Saturday mornings, I get to play basketball with a group of gentlemen at a church in Wexford. We play at 7 a.m., which is earlier than I prefer to get up and uh, hit the court. Uh, it's mostly guys in their 40s and 50s, but the man who opens the gym for us is actually a couple of years older than me. He's the only one older than me. Uh, and due to our superior maturity, we have to get there first because it takes us longer to get loose than it does <laughs> the young guys. Now, my normal greeting when I uh, see Keith uh, first thing in the morning is I say, Okay, Keith, are you feeling young and vigorous today? <laughs> uh, to which he uh, always responds with, No, and expletives deleted. Uh, but I, but I ask him the question uh, ahead of time, knowing what he's going to say. Now, in the same way, I, I could ask almost any group today, Christians especially, older Christians doubly especially, this question, are, are you feeling positive about the world right now? Are you feeling uh, optimistic about, about the, the church and what is the typical answer to that question? No. <laughs> uh, some will say, uh, 
say no with a measure of hope, others with very little hope, uh, some with expletives, some without expletives, but few of us are feeling very positive about the world situation or the church situation at the moment. And many of us want to offer our personal lament about it. Each of us has maybe a different focus, that which bothers us the most. It could be the conflict in the Middle East. It could be the European war. It could be racial tensions in our country. It could be the mind-boggling sexual confusion of so many young people in our society. It could be the state of our schools. It could be the folly and the corruption in Washington, D.C. Some of us concern more about the church, the shrinking attendance, the doctrinal compromise, the worldly thinking, the tolerance of so much that is intolerable. And then many of us face our own enormous personal obstacles, don't we? There are financial problems and relational problems and health problems. And I mean, seriously, there is so much happening to us and around us that can easily drain our joy, easily drain us of joy and peace and energy and hope. Some of the hope drainers are new and modern, but you have to understand that there were plenty such things in the first century when Paul wrote the book of Romans. Uh, in another epistle, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the apostle says twice, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Now, why would he say that twice if he did not face the temptation to lose heart, which is to give up hope, which is to give up the fight? Well, in the passage before us today, the apostle speaks very much of hope, and he points us to those things that can fortify our hope, can restore our hope, can maintain our hope in a hope-draining world. And the first of those things in, is in verse 4. So look at it, verse 4, and tell me what it is that is the first of our hope restorers or maintainers. Well, it says there, whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, you might have hope. Ah, so you need hope. I need hope. We need perseverance, we need encouragement, we need help and hope, and where are we directed to find all of those things? We are directed to find them in the scriptures, in the ancient writings. And, and I, I long so deeply for you to grasp what a treasure we have in this book of God and to take full advantage of it for your joy and for your fruitfulness. Some of you may know Psalm one, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law he meditates day and night, for he shall be like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. And what is it that this blessed, prosperous man does? He meditates on the law, the word of the Lord, day and night. That is why he prospers. That is why he perseveres. And so if all you are doing is watching the news and listening to a political podcast and the like, I have little hope for you to maintain your joy, to keep your peace. Those things 
they may represent a certain portion of reality, but I hope you know that is not the whole of reality. What does your soul need? Today's news or the ancient word? Now, if you want to say both, that's an okay answer. But hey, one drains you of hope and the other replenishes that hope. Uh, Michael W. Smith, the musician, wrote a song that had these lyrics. It's called Ancient Words, and it says, Holy words, long preserved for our walk in this world, they resound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Words of life, words of hope, give us strength, help us cope in this world wherever we roam. Ancient words will guide us home. Yeah, that is exactly right. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And you'll notice there in that verse that says all scripture, not just John 3:16, but Leviticus 14:11, not just the parts that show up on refrigerators, all of it. And when Paul wrote this, what scriptures did he have in view? Why that would be the Old Testament. Now, one of the sad elements of my running out of Sundays to preach here is that I have quite a few jokes that I have never in 15 years uh, found a, a spot to use because I try to make my jokes at least connect with the biblical ideas I'm putting forth, and they don't always do that easily enough. But I, uh, I, I'm going to work I'm, over the next few weeks. I figure I'm going to go out of my way to squeeze a few of those jokes in before I wrap up. And I figured today's a good day for some Bible jokes, okay? Uh, we'll get back on track in a minute, but for now, who is the most business-savvy woman in the Bible? <laughs> well, that would be Pharaoh's daughter. She went to the bank of the Nile to pull out a little profit. <laughs> All right, yeah. Uh, Next up, did Adam and Eve ever have a date? No, just an apple. Okay. And uh, finally, do you need to build a boat? You need to build a boat? I know a guy. <laughs> he is an architect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The first one was good anyway. All right. Uh, <laughs> and, and you'll see that the Old Testament is really good for, for jokes. Uh, but also for training in righteousness, right? Back to Romans 15, verse 4. Whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. Now, that's very interesting. Back in chapter 4 of Romans, we saw this as well. Re, uh, referring to Abraham, to God's promise in the book of Genesis, Paul wrote this, verse 23. It was counted to him. The words it was counted to him were not written for his, Abraham's sake, alone. Again, interesting thought. The Spirit of God, who inspired those writings in Genesis, had in view 
the needs of Lisa Arnold and Brooke Hopkins. In the Old Testament, that, that of which we are far too ignorant, we read these things that are for our instruction, our edification. Now, some apparently would have us yet more ignorant of those scriptures. One influential pastor caused a stir a few years ago when he uh, touted the idea that Christians and the church need to, quote, unhitch themselves from the Old Testament. Huh. <laughs> unhitch themselves from the Old Testament. That, my friends, is spiritual malpractice. That's like prescribing bloodletting for a fevering patient. It is precisely the opposite of what is needed in the church today. But frankly, that pastor and many like him are, I think, embarrassed by the Old Testament scripture and the God whom it portrays. Why that God, he gets angry. That God judges people. And the problem is that people will read the Old Testament and sit in judgment of it as opposed to putting themselves under the Word of God and letting it judge us. They read the stories of God's wrath upon rebel sinners and they say or they think, you know, I, I much prefer Jesus and the New Testament to that. And, and I hear that and I wonder, have you ever read the uh, Revelation there at the end of the New Testament. I mean, if I was to invent a religion in order to draw adherence, yeah, I would not portray God like God portrays God. He is a terrible marketer and should never even think about running for office. In fact, when he did show up and offer himself as king, you'll remember what happened. Pastors today are much smarter than God. So, 21st century pastors may be squeamish about the scriptures, but the first century apostle says to us to go there for our encouragement and our hope. Now, think about that. Hope. Yeah, from the scriptures. You think of the message. Adam and Eve were naked in the garden and God made them clothes. Noah was facing judgment on a wicked earth. God became his architect. The Hebrews are enslaved under a cruel tyrant in Egypt. God redeemed them, freed them, took them through dry through the sea. Though they uh, faced the Moabites and the Ammonites and later the Assyrians and others, God delivered them and he delivered them in astonishing, remarkable ways. And then after he sent them into exile for a season, he brought them back into the land. Hope from the scriptures? Oh, yes, yes. And, and just see how Paul thinks when you read our text in Romans 15. 40% of the passage that we read this morning is direct quotes from the Old Testament scriptures. 2 Samuel 22, Psalm 18, Deuteronomy 32, Psalm 117, Isaiah 11. Unhitched from that? No, thank you. All of that was given for my encouragement. It was given for my hope. It was given to strengthen me in perseverance. 
So this is all about hope, something you and I need, something the devil and the world very much want to strip away from us. Our Lord in this passage is showing us the way to hope. He connects it with perseverance, right? You do understand that hope brings strength and energy and fight. You watch a football game and you can kind of see when one team that gets behind gives up hope. The mark of the Steelers this year, I think, has been that they keep hoping with no offense to speak of. <laughs> they keep hoping, and they have prospered as a result. Uh, but when a team loses hope, the energy is gone. No hope, no cope. Michael W. Smith and I made that up. No pain, no gain. You've heard that. Got a new one for you. No hope, no cope. And Paul first points us to the Word of God to find hope, and there we do. We learn that the reason for hope is greater than the reasons for despair. You know that, right? The reasons for hope are greater than the reasons for despair. Beside the Scripture, our passage points us in three other directions in our search for hope. So let's cover those, and we'll be more brief on each of those points. First place to go for hope, besides the Scripture, is to worship. Now, what worship does for us is remind us of all the reasons we have for hope. In worship, we hear from God. In worship, we speak our concerns to God. In worship, if we are doing it right, we turn off the noise of the world, and we abide in the heavenlies where we get our perspective corrected. In uh, Psalm 73, which I hope you're familiar with, Asaph goes to this experience where he looks around and he's very dismayed because he sees wicked people are prospering and he sees righteous people who are suffering. Have you ever noticed that happens sometimes? <laughs> oh, it does. And his troubled soul uh, was perplexed by this uh, and he could not find resolution until what? Until he says, I came into the sanctuary of God. That's where he saw things more clearly, and his despair was driven away. So look at Romans 15 again. There are several references here to worship. In verse 6, he prays that you may with one accord, with one voice, glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. The singing praises with the saints do something for your soul? It certainly does for me. Three verses later, Paul speaks of his heart. Chapter uh, 15, verse 9. Verse 9, uh, the Gentiles, he prays for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will give praise to you among the Gentiles. I will sing to your name. Again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And so when you leave here and you look around at the mess in your family, at the mess in your neighborhood, at the mess in your state and your nation, pretty much on the planet, you may despair. That is why, brothers and sisters, we must come together. And, and when we come together, we say this to one another. We say, his mercy is more. 
we say to each other, you know, though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. We say to each other, when through the deep waters he calls thee to go, the rivers of sorrow will not overflow, for he will be with thee thy troubles to bless and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress. When through fiery trials he calls thee to go, his grace all sufficient. No, when through fiery trials, how's the next line? Thy pathway shall lie. His grace all-sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee. He only designs your dross to consume and your gold to refine. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, he will not, he will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell, should endeavor to shake, and it does. I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. So uh, Beth and I got to go to a conference a few weeks back in Hershey at the Hotel Hershey. You ever been to the Hotel Hershey? Oh, that's a nice place. <laughs> that's a really nice place. And we had a wonderful conference, lots of uh, great speakers. And, and much of what they were doing at the conference was alerting pastors about the imminent dangers abounding in our world in 2023. Threats to freedom, threats to our children, threats to the gospel, threats to the church. But I, I said to Beth on the last uh, day of the conference that the organizers, in my estimation, really blew it by not including worship. There was not a worship component. Now listen, I can ponder the saddest state of the church. I can ponder the saddest state of our nation in this day. But I must, I must look to Jesus in hope. I, I must spend time remembering that God is bigger than all the mess. And hopefully spend time getting lost and refreshed in wonder, love, and praise. You need this too. You are foolish to pretend that all is just fine with the world, but let's look squarely at the enemy. Let's look squarely at the obstacles, but we must begin and end our cogitations by looking to our God who is greater than all. And when you do, you know what you find? Peace and joy and hope. And as we say, let's out rejoice the enemy. Next up, our passage points us to Jesus himself. So this month, we will sing about the root of Jesse. That's in some of our Christian Christmas hymns, right? Uh, how many know what that's about? Who, who is that about? Well, verse 12, uh, Isaiah says, there shall come the root of Jesse, he who arises to rule over the Gentiles. Okay, Gentiles. It says in the next part, in him shall the Gentiles hope. What is our hope? In Ephesians 2, Paul wrote that the Gentiles before Christ came were without God, having no hope in the world. Now we do have hope. The hope is in the root of Jesse, the promised Jewish Messiah, who also came to rule over the Gentiles as well. In him, it says, we have hope regardless John Piper tells the story of Henry Martin, who was a missionary to India and to Persia in the early 1800s. He had left his fiancée, Lydia, <coughs> behind in England, 
and, and as it turned out, would never see her again. He died at the age of 31. And on the boat, he uh, fought back self-pity and discouragement through the promises of God's Word. He arrived in Calcutta, and two months later, he had a devastating experience. One of the veteran missionaries that were there before him uh, preached a sermon directed against Henry and against his doctrines. He called his teachings inconsistent, extravagant, absurd. He accused him of seeking only to gratify himself and his self-sufficiency and his pride and his uncharitableness. How could this lonely young man endure these crushing experiences, and not only endure, but during the next six years, you know what he did? He had the perseverance to translate the New Testament into Hindustani and the Persian and Arabic. Pretty good six-year run. We can hear the answer in his own journal, and I quote from it. He said, in the multitude of my troubled thoughts, I saw that there is a strong consolation in the hope set before us. Let men do their worst. Let me be torn to pieces and my dear Lydia torn from me or let me labor for 50 years amid scorn and never seeing one soul converted. Still it shall not be worse for my soul in eternity nor worse for it in time. Though the heathen rage and the English people imagine a vain thing, the Lord Jesus who controls all events is my friend, my master, my God, my all, end quote. Piper adds this comment. He said, Henry Martin fought the battle against discouragement and helplessness with the truth of God's word. Jesus is my friend, my master, my God, and my all, and that is the way we must fight every day and never stop until the war is over. And the commander puts the wreath of victory on our heads. Fourthly and finally this morning, we find help or hope in Scripture, in worship, in the person of Jesus, and now in the Holy Spirit. There are four benedictions in the book of Romans. We covered one in verses 5 and 6 last time. This is the second, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said that unless a man or woman is born again by the Spirit of God, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He is insensible. He is dead. He is blind. He is deaf. Without the Spirit at work in you, the Scriptures will not give you help or hope either. Worship certainly cannot happen. You have no interest in looking to Christ. So all of this hope-giving stuff, depends on the blowing, the movement, the empowerment of the Spirit of God, who is also called the Spirit of joy and the Spirit of hope. He's the comforter. He is the encourager. All of these things, they're connected. Larry Crabb wrote, The richest hope permits the deepest suffering, which releases the strongest power, which then produces the greatest joy, end quote. You know how Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord is your strength? Hope is foundational for that joy. Foundational. And our abounding in hope depends entirely on being filled with the Spirit of the living God. There are genuine reasons to have hope. But the hope-filled man or woman is only that because he or she is spirit-filled 
man or woman. And the hope, it transcends the rational. Uh, it, does not, it does not bypass the rational, but it goes beyond it. It does transcend it. Paul writes of the peace that does what? Passes all understanding. Doesn't bypass it. It just passes the understanding. And he could say the same of hope. So uh, my, my, my dear young friend, April Sanders, uh, she's over there drawing pictures right now. Sometimes uh, April will uh, show me her artistic renderings of my teaching. I don't know if she takes notes, but she draws pictures of, of what I, I teach. And, uh, and sometimes she shares it with me to my edification. In April today, you, you may want to do, what you want to do is to pick me uh, with a shirt that says, I am a hopeful Gentile with a Bible in my hand. Okay? You got that? <laughs> Work on that for me. We look to Scripture. We look to worship. We look to Jesus. We look to the Spirit, and when we do, brothers and sisters, we abound in hope. The Lord's Supper, well, the Lord's Supper assists us to do all of these things. And therefore, I turn you over to Pastor Ken to lead that part of our worship together. 